unfortunately, people die every day by suicide. It's something that happens daily and people don't talk about it. What is going on with humanity? Hey there, my name is Sean, and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives, and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, are not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations, and hopefully better conversations, with survivors. Thank you to everybody who has joined me here on this podcast, all of my guests, since we launched in July of 2020, and to everybody who listens. A huge thanks. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Our email is hello at suicidenoted.com. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted, and you'll find a few links in the show notes. One is to send us a recorded message, an audio message, another way to reach out. And a couple of ways you can help us financially if you are able and interested. We could use the financial support as we try to reach more people with these stories and help them feel a little less shitty and a little less alone, or at least try. And finally, keep in mind we're talking about suicide on this podcast. It may not be a good fit for everybody. Take that into account before or as you listen. But I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. Today, I am talking with Armand. Armand lives in South Africa. And he is a suicide attempt survivor. Hey, Armand. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? I can't complain. Of course you can. Yeah, we all can complain, but it doesn't help to. Yeah. But thank you very much for meeting with me and talking, Armand. No problem. It was quite interesting. I didn't uh, suspect you would actually answer. I was just sending the email one day and like, and I'm like, ah, I'm just a random dude saying I want to share my story. And why would this guy answer? And then ah, receive the email back. And here we are. It's not a um, subject you talk about daily, actually. <laughs> actually, for me, it is. There are probably some people in the world who talk about this a lot because it's their jobs. But I understand, yes, most people don't. Well, I do encounter a lot of people in my daily life. So, uh, yes, I do speak to people, but I don't do it in a wide scale. Yeah. You are, uh, are you in the uh, South Africa? Is that right? Yes, I'm in South Africa. I was born and raised in South Africa and yeah, probably South Africa. You're South African. Yes, that makes sense that you would be there. Back in 2021, I was driving to Cape Town to go fetch my family. Nine hours drive. I remember I was listening to a podcast of suicide way back, but I can't remember what it was. I was searching, searching, and then I found Suicide Noted. Mm. And then I start listening. And then all nine hours drive, I was just listening. To it's so interesting to me to know that people like yourself are driving nine hours to wherever they're going. And they're listening to this little audio thing that I've helped create. It's so bizarre for me. I'm just this random dude. I'm, I'm, I'm truly just this random bald guy in North Carolina. I mean, it's so part of that, just the power of technology, which is kind of fascinating. Yes. But this is not a podcast about technology. No, it's not. The first question I have, why are you putting the word suicide? Ah, oh, I've been having suicidal tendencies since 20, started in 2012 when I finished school. Let's start there. 
So I finished school, didn't know what to do with my life. I was lost. And I'm like, fuck. And reality hits you after school. And like, you have to provide and you have to do something with your life and you have to actually do something. Now that reality and with just circumstances at that time took me to a place where I didn't want to be. And then, yeah, got depressed and suicide started. And then I remember the very first time I tried to commit suicide. Now my mom had hot tablets that she was taking back then for uh, hot and it used to beat fast and then the tablets would slow down. And I remember taking 50 of those tablets one night, smile on my face and I went to bed and I woke up and the next morning and I'm like, fuck, I didn't die. What now? So that was the very, very first time I tried to commit suicide. So you were how old? I was direct out of school, 18. Took the pills, didn't work. Did you go, did you get sick or go to a hospital? No, unfortunately not. I can't describe how disappointing it was waking up. Life was just on top of me. And so reality set in and hit that life has to go on. So either you have to kill yourself or you have to continue one of the two. And I decided to kill myself. Week after that, some apparent reason my bed thought it was a good idea to try to drink yourself to death. Grabbed the bottles, started drowning one by one, probably two bottles of whiskey, one bottle of brandy. And then my parents got home and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? By that time, I had my heart broken by a woman. Ah, life was just shit. And I'm like, fuck it, I'm trying to kill myself. And then they rushed me to hospital. Yes, there I was in hospital the second time. So I was in hospital for two days. The social worker that took care of me, my mom knew. So we organized the deal so I can get out of social care early. So I got out of social care for fun and games. You can't continue with my life. And about two weeks later, shit went south. I'm like, fuck it, now it's it. And then, then I slit my wrist, put the knife down, press it down as hard as I can and just pull. So opens up, I'm like, ah, it's not bleeding enough. And I'm like, fuck, I have to do it again because I already started. I remember that quite clearly. And then I realized like, fuck, what am I doing? Ah, shit. I found my mom and she came fetched me. And then we went to the hospital. They stitched me up. I was sitting there in the hospital. Unfortunately, you know, we have got government hospitals and they're not quite well maintained and upkept. Low quality healthcare you get. The one nurse walks past and she's like, ah, this one, I remember. It's not the first time. And then I just realized like, shit, what am I doing with my life? And I have to snap out of it. And I remember also seeing my sister walking in, in the hospital and she's crying like, what the fuck are you doing? That moment there, I had to snap out of it. After that, that was the last, last time. That was 2012. In 2012, you're, you're recently out of high school. Just to be clear, in like less than a month, you tried three times. Yes, yes. Pills, alcohol, the wrist. Yes. You were in the hospital one time? Actually, quite a few times. I jumped quickly, quite ahead. So after the first time, I was in hospital for two days. Just the general ward. Uh, I was assigned a social worker by the government. And then my mom knew the social worker. And uh, she organized for me not to be stayed in hospital, but to go to a psychiatrist. I was assigned a psychiatrist that same week. I was seeing a psychiatrist on a weekly basis. So I was probably seeing her once or twice before the second time with alcohol. The pills happened before the alcohol. So the pills happened the very, very, very first time. I drank mm-hmm. the pills and I went to bed. Woke up, nothing happened, and I continued my normal life. Mm-hmm. The second time was with the alcohol. That's when my parents found And I knew I was depressed by then. But we don't have the real health carrier to handle that depression. We do have, but it's not as available, uh, like we would say in the States. It's not as available. It's something, if you don't have money, you can't afford it. Forget about it. 
So if you're in South Africa and you're suffering with some sort of mental health challenge, you're fucked. Yes, if you don't have money. Okay, I won't say money, but yes. Unfortunately, 70% of our taxes gets paid by the top 7% of our, our residents. There we go. Mm-hmm. Inequality. Most people are poor. Yes. The government hospitals are not a good place to go. Especially for mental and, health. Yes. And also the culture in our country is also not so... What do you got, like a macho? You guys macho? Too tough to cry? Uh, yes. Yes. When you go to our country, you raised like men are not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to talk about your feelings. Rock hard, solid men. Until right. about 2010, before mental health was actually seen as actually diseased by the World Health Organization. Not 2010. Sorry. That was before. But that's when our country actually adopted. Back in the day, three attempts, went to a hospital, tried to get some care. Sounds like it didn't really work. I would like to say it's like when you go to a government facility, they try to get you in and out as quick as possible because the next guy needs to go through. So yeah. please don't kill it. Try to kill yourself. Costing us money. This is your nine step to recovery. Now, thank you. Unfortunately, people die every day by suicide. Something that happens daily and people don't talk about it. What the fuck is going on with humanity? Well, there's at least one or two other people in South Africa that talk about it because they've joined me here on the podcast. People talk about it, but not enough. Of course, not enough. Not even close to enough. I mean, when your hospital staff is saying, don't let the door hit you in your ass. I mean, come on. Of course not. I was raised poor. I'm not in top seven. Uh, back then, I had to go to government facility. I didn't have a choice. Gotcha. Then I got out of my depression. So yeah. I can't remember much of my depression back then. I just feel I, I wanted to kill myself and that was it. That's the only thing I can remember. So I progress with life and life continues. And now we get to 2018. This is actually when my depression starts. And since then till now, suicide thoughts daily. So there was one guy that spoke on your podcast and he said like, he was happy his depression hit late in his life and not when he was 16, 17, when he had experience of work. And I'm like, yeah, that's quite true. My depression only started when I was 28, 20. Five, twenty-six. So I was not quite old, but I had better mental capability of handling it. I'm still suffering with depression till today. But then today I do have medical health care and I am able to see professionals, but I still just don't want to live there. So there's this thing I call, I don't think this is an original thing I'm calling it, the space between, you know, you don't necessarily want to actively die, but you don't want to live. You're in between. Is that you? Yes. That's what I'm stuck at. And Unfortunately, okay, fortunately for me, I would say unfortunately, I've got a lot of people close to me and I'm very loved and I've got good friends and family. And yes, I would kill them if I commit suicide. But yeah. If you committed suicide, you said you would, it would kill them. Yeah. No, it won't physically kill them, but you know, it breaks them inside. You mentally arm a person to, oh, you can do bad things with mentally arming people. This is true. Yeah. All right. So for the last four or so years, you've been struggling a lot. Yes. You obviously, and you, but you haven't tried in that time. You have not attempted to take your life. No. In the time between 2012 to today, you'd said that you didn't get a lot of care and then you got a little, some care. What did that care look like? Is that therapy or medication or something else? So now we get 2018 when I was working at medical aid. I started sleep deprivation. And then you, your mind degrades when you don't sleep quite quickly. Mm-hmm. I realized like, fuck what I'm doing. I'm about to get married. I'm trying to fucking plan my suicide. I'm planning it to the detail. 
I need to get help. So I went to my doctor that handled me the first time, way back in 2012. It was a house doctor. My mom phoned after the first time I tried to commit suicide with alcohol. And then I went back to him and he said, okay, he doesn't really believe in this stuff, but he's going to commit me to the, they will call it the wellness ward. Ward you go to when you have nervous breakdown or suicide or all depression. So I went there for about two weeks. I was committed to, to the hospital. And it was all fun and games. I won't say fun and games. They, they, they treated me well and they make you feel safe and all that. And they, they try to teach you how to deal with life decisions. Mm-hmm. And then they just let you go after the two weeks and then you're back in reality and you're just like, fuck, what do I do now? So it's quite interesting when you get to this point where you don't know where to go. You do see a psychiatrist and a psychologist. So the therapy and the talking is monthly and then the meds is twice a year. Yes. All so right. then she adapts what I need and, and all that. But I don't really take my meds, unfortunately. So Okay, so she gave you some medication to take, but you're not taking it. What Do you know what the medication was treating or supposed to be treating? So it's depression, anxiety, uh, antipsychotics was one of them, but I don't think it was a psychopath, but that would be quite interesting. What was the other one? Bipolar. So it was Wellbutrin was the one. The sleeping tablets I'm still drinking till today is Alzheimer's. 2018, you are planning to get married, I assume, to the beautiful woman to your left? Yes. But you're also planning your suicide. Yes. Does she know that then? So I tried to commit suicide in 2012. was my last mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. We met in 2013. So she yeah. knew about my attempt. But that's when the point in my life where I realized, like, you can't do this to yourself. Pull up your socks, pull the bridge, get over it. So that's mm-hmm. what I did. I did my best. Because I've been speaking about suicide and depression quite a long time now, since 2012. Back from 2012, when I was done, when I, I felt I was out of depression, I would normally say, like, hey, I'm one of the lucky guys to beat the depression. I'm like, yes. And I was like, you can beat it. And it's this day. It's, it's possible to beat depression. Mm-hmm. Because that's, I got out of that from 2012. When 2018 came, I knew what it was. I knew exactly what it was. I started planning my suicide to the detail. I work in the mining industry. We do shaft mining. So there's a shaft straight down, 1.8 kilometers. When you stand there, when, you, when you're done working. So now I have to explain a lot of shit. Were you so, going to jump down a really big hole? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Then I realized, like, what the fuck are you doing? You're getting married in about three months' time. <laughs> you need to do shit, my friend. And I went and I went to see a doctor. Mm-hmm. And that was my house doctor I talked about. And he said, like, he was staring me in the face. And he's like, I don't believe in this stuff, but I'm going to commit you to this ward and maybe they can help you. So I get committed to the wellness ward. And here I am sitting in front of the psychiatrist, psychologist. Okay, I committed myself now because I want to kill myself. And she's like, okay, let's speak about it. And then I told her my story. She gave me pills. Well, I was committed for like two weeks. And holy hell, they drugged the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. I remember I was not sleeping for about almost, almost a year where you struggle to sleep because you can't sleep. And now I get to this place where they drug the shit out of you and just sleep. I feel so fucking amazing. I bet. I don't even think we have house doctors here anymore. What's weird is, uh, well, I don't know if the word's weird. He doesn't believe in what? What did he not believe in? Mental disorder. Well, depression, sorry, depression, sorry. Remember, I live in a country where it's like, pull up your socks, get over it, pull the bridge. No, no, I understand. I think I get that part of it. But how would he explain people's sadness? Maybe he calls it sadness or malaise or what would he say about it? Just, 
I, I just don't understand what there is or is not to believe in. But anyway, I'm different than your doctor. So you're in the wellness ward. Mm-hmm. You're you're engaged to a woman who you met several years ago. She obviously sticks by your side. You eventually get married. She knew about my attempt. Yep. And then unfortunately in 2018, when I went in 2019, sorry, and I told her like, hey, I need to get help. And then, yeah, we went to the doctor and we met it. That's awesome. I really like your wife. That's what you do when you're with somebody. That's cool. You don't take your meds and you've been diagnosed with a few different things and you've tried to end your life a few times and you've been hospitalized and you see a therapist, but you're this South African man who's supposed to be really strong, Armand. So how is it for you to, I guess the word I'm thinking of is sort of reconcile. How do you figure out that you're the South African guy? tough guy you know you know what i'm saying you work in a mine man unfortunately who you are at home and who you are at work is two different people we all know that that's what we do you can't be all oh, i'm a quite emotional man even though i'm not supposed to be not mm-hmm. how i was raised unfortunately i realized in life that your emotions are important and you have to look after yourself emotional well-being and mental well-being from there we continue how many people know about any of your attempts hundreds i'm very vocal about it i speak a lot about it. when i get you around a fire a campfire or i get you somewhere i can speak quite deeply to anyone wow so i'm very vocal about it but in that way so quite a few people know about my suicide where we are from is like it's taboo you don't speak about it it's it's not to pull the bridge get over it so i be vocal about it because i i think more people should know about it, be aware of it Look for it. it. It's there. But there is people with, with mental health problems. Many. Just see them. Notice them. Well, I think it's incredible that you do that in a country or a culture that really doesn't, you know, that's, it might be a little more difficult to do that there than here or some other places, you know? Like yes. it would be easy for you not to talk about it for many reasons. When I get hold of people, I, I go deep. I quite go deep and I like to go into people. And you quite realize you go into a society where everybody acts tough and Ah, but on the inside, they all squish and mushy inside. And we all some sort of depression. Not all of us, but everybody's got feelings. Everybody's got problems. You don't realize it until you, you speak deeply to a person. Ah, it's quite interesting. You, you have to read a person. You can read a person if he actually believes in, in suicide and depression and not. So There's no need to talk to people who just won't listen or hear you, of course. But are people mostly open or do they say a lot of stupid shit? People say stupid shit when they hear suicidal stuff. They really do. Yeah, no, of course. Like, why are you just seeking attention? Like, get over it. What's wrong with you? Mm. Why would you want to kill yourself? Like, they don't understand. Like, some people, they hurt inside. Eh? There's feelings. We've all got problems we have to deal with. And depression is not an easy thing. Eh? It's, it sits on you and it weighs you down. And it affects you physically. And when you got a physically the morning work and you physically tired, it's not easy. No, not at all. And but you were able to keep your job through all this. Yes, yes. Uh, you don't like I said. You have to be a man outside. I'm a man outside. Be a man. <laughs> uh, you really? have to. You stand up. You it's eat or be eaten. There you go, and that's it. So if I would be like, "Hey, Armand, how are you feeling? How's the depression?" And you were at work, what would you say? When I speak to people about depression, remember it's taboo, so they won't mention it ever again. So when doesn't go back there. So no one asks about my depression except my wife. She's the That's only it. one that deals with it daily. So it's quite saddening seeing her dealing with my shit that she doesn't need to. But hey, 
I would like to tell my friends, like, it's not easy finding women, but when you know where you find the right person is when they just as fucked up in the head as you are. <laughs> That's a great way to put it, yes. So mm-hmm. you just need to find someone that just understands you and be with you. And Yeah. But in that whole time, especially whether 2012 to today, you said you weren't taking meds. What did you do, if anything, to get through the day? I mean, did you drink? Did you drug? Did you cut? Did you, were you violent? Everyone's got a coping mechanism. Drugs, unfortunately. What kind of drugs? So it started with cocaine and it ended with marijuana. It starts with cocaine and ends with, uh-huh. that's not the typical path. Hey, I, I lived a life where I was raised, like, taste everything and keep the good. So yeah. I tasted the waters. When you realize, like, you don't go there and then you mm-hmm. go to the stuff you enjoy and it's not too bad for you. Listen, I used to love cocaine. I'm very open about it. I'm vocal about it. I'm glad I didn't keep doing it. People, some people in my life know. I look at it as purely chemical. There was something in my brain that just fucking loved that drug, that chemical. And I felt amazing. But, you know, that would eventually would kill me. So you went to marijuana yes. and, it feels, and it's uh, healthier and it's okay. But I understand what I say. Marijuana is a gateway drug. But okay, we're not going into that. Well, apparently for you, cocaine was the gateway drug. <laughs> okay, now we're going into marijuana usage. We're about suicide now. Addiction or coping mechanisms are connected. But anyway, it doesn't matter. You... You do what you got to do to get by and you're not hurting other people. So who fucking cares? Do you think you'd be able to have this conversation without your wife being there, helping you out a little bit? No, the plan was actually, I was not supposed to have the conversation here at my house here in, in Johannesburg. I was supposed to be in Rustenburg where I work. So, but that uh, training at the head office and all this stuff. So she, she was not supposed to be here. No, I don't mind her being, she knows the whole story. She knows everything of me. She knows me in and out. I speak to her daily basis. She's like my home therapist so i can talk openly to her about how i feel it makes her worried like it's not easy for her to hear like today i'm planning to kill myself she deals with it daily and i don't understand how she does that but she sticks to me yeah is so other than her is there anybody in your life that you can talk to my therapist and that's it who you see once a month yes all right so i'm gonna say a weird thing here but if i'm wrong you'll tell me it sounds like if you didn't have your wife you'd be dead oh yes Right. Back in 2018, you would have jumped down that hole probably. Yes. The problem is like my wife wants me to promise that like I won't kill myself. And I'm like, I can't promise you because as soon as that oppression sets in and you're in that deep sadness, that down, Mm. and you can't explain to anyone how you feel, you can do stuff that you don't think about it. So I'm quite spontaneous. So for me, if it's not spontaneous, like open the gate jump it's not gonna happen don't think about it just jump but it's kind of like an interesting level of awareness you have because you're aware that hey i can tell you right now i'm not gonna do it today i don't think i'll do it tomorrow but when the depression hits now that's like i said when that other man said like he was happy he's not happy but he was fortunate that his depression had late in his life and not when he was a teen just my opinion is like when you're a teen you don't have the, the mental strength that you have built up once you're an adult so if it is once you're an adult, you've got better mental strength than as a child. Right. And so I had it before and now I know what it was. So until today, I know when it's there and my wife can see daily. I like it today, it's there and it can last for weeks and months on end. And then you're back to normal again and then down again. I could probably find a reason to kill myself tomorrow if I really want to. But When you're listening to the, the podcast, especially in that nine hour drive, but anytime, why do you keep listening to it? And I'm not looking for you to stroke my ego here at all. What do you get out of it? Like I said, like to speak deeply to people. So you realize when you speak to some people, like people's got shit there. Eh? People's been through shit. 
Mm. And then you sit there realizing like, what the fuck is wrong with my life? I've got actually quite decent life. What the hell do you want to kill yourself? I listen to other people and I realize like, oh, it doesn't sound like that's too bad life. So I'm dunging in, unfortunately. And he's also struggling with this stuff. Mm-hmm. I would mental health, the problems. And What are you, 30 years old? Uh, 29. I'm not 20? 30 yet. Don't make me... <laughs> okay. 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 No, no, no. I don't want to do that. What do you think your 30s will look like? I never thought I was going to reach 30. Never? Never. So I don't know what my 30s are like. I'm living life day by day. So now when I get depressed, I'm just like, tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow you'll feel better. Maybe tomorrow I wake up, I feel better. Maybe I don't. That's how I cope day by day. Do you think that the diagnoses you got are correct? Probably not. Me and my wife actually spoke about it. And I'm like, I right. haven't been diagnosed with depression. They could admit at me, but I've never seen a paper. Or no one told me ah. I was diagnosed with depression. I thought you had been medicated for a particular condition. Okay, so they diagnosed me with depression. That's it. End of story. And then they gave me meds for depression, and that's where it ended. So I started taking the meds. I didn't feel the difference between when I was taking the meds and when I was not taking the meds. Probably mm-hmm. wasn't taking it long enough. But at the end of the day, my healthcare stopped paying for the meds, and it was too expensive to pay out of pocket. So I had to stop taking it. And then that's when I realized, like, I don't feel the difference. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm, I've only got so much medical aid that if you have got other medical problems, you need to use it for that, that I can't afford dealing with my mental health. So now I just don't take my drugs anymore, except uh, my sleeping tablets. Right, right, right. Back in 2012, when you attempted, your mom was in the picture. She's still alive? Yes, she is. Does she know about your stuff? You don't talk to her about it? No, we don't talk about it. Like I know my mom was also uh, depressed when she grew up, but same raised way raised. Like you can't, It's not part of life. You have to go on. And so I know she was depressed back then because I remember when I was a child that she tried to commit suicide. But yeah, I know she's still here to live today, but we did speak quite deeply a few months ago. But me and my mom, we're not very well connected. We don't speak a lot. Mm-hmm. So the whole tough guy thing isn't just for guys, it's for girls and women too. Oh, yes, yes, yes. What a tough culture you have. A lot of badasses who are killing themselves because they don't know how to emote. Okay. That's exactly what it is. That is what it is. You don't know how to express your feelings. You keep it inside, bulked up, and it explodes. And then you kill yourself. Put a gun in your mouth, pull the trigger. No story. Right. You have a lot of guns down there, right? No, 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 no. We're not the freedom country, unfortunately. The United States, not not you. (laughs) Do you think you have a lot of alcoholism oh yes 18 year old yeah no uh, that's gender-based violence in our countries around alcoholism because we've got a lot of problems with alcoholism. drugs a lot of drugs is your wife occasionally looking at you or whispering saying don't say that don't say that about <laughs> our country go look at, go look at the, the the top 10 most dangerous cities in the world or the countries to live in and you'll find johannesburg in there right she's like no don't let the world know about johannesburg this is a good place Beautiful countryside, beautiful, beautiful. But yeah, the locals are the dangerous ones. Are you dangerous? To myself, but not to others. Okay. That's good. It's just some saying the locals are dangerous, but yeah, crime rates are high because unemployment is high. Yeah. I mean, of course, if people aren't working, I mean, shit, they got to eat food, right? Am I trying to simplify it or justify it? But I mean, there is some direct. That's exactly what it is. I mean, if I were, if I were unemployed for long enough and, had a trouble finding home and food, I'd commit some crimes to survive, probably. I hope I wouldn't have to hurt people, but like, come on, of course you would. So yes, that's part of life. You have to eat, yeah. like I said, life goes on. So in my mind, is like, 
either you kill yourself or you continue. You have to work. You have to go on. You have to pay your bills. Life goes on. So, and that's how I get through life. Just think about that. Tomorrow's a new day. Drugs. Do you know, there's probably people who hear this. They're like, well, you know, this guy though, he's got a job. He's got a wife. He's getting by. I know. And that's what makes me sad about it. And it makes you more depressed when you start thinking about it. And then you get into depression and then you sit there and you start thinking. And it continues and it just goes deeper and darker. And then at the end of the day, you just don't go out of the other side. Don't get out of the light. Because I wonder if a lot of people hear stuff like this or examine their own lives. And they're sort of like this idea of like, I have no reason to want to kill myself, right? Like on paper, I've got a wife, I've got a job, my health is okay, da, 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 da. But they do want to kill themselves because it's, I don't typically think I could be wrong here. I don't know. The external stuff matters, but that's not the only thing. So with my job, you go underground and you spend a shift underground, which is eight hours. If you, let's say you do something and you forgot something on surface, then you can't get out. And let's say you finish your job within 10 minutes because they're quite wasteful of time, these people. Uh, you go sit and wait because there's nothing else for you to do. You're not allowed to take a cell phone. There's no in cell phone signal, no internet, and you just sit and wait. And then that gives you about sometimes six hours of just pure loneliness. And you just sit there. And uh, the underground language is Fanagalo. And I don't speak that language. So you sit there, you listen to these people trying to speak. I do understand some of it. And you're just there all by yourself with your head and your mind. That's what you do every day? Yes. We've got 11 official languages in South Africa. The miners come from different provinces. So they speak different languages. The Afrikaners, they started the, the, the mining industry. So they needed a way to communicate with everyone. So they started a new language, Fanagalo. And so they speak that language. You find people speaking seven, eight, nine different languages. Our GDP comes from the mining industry. Uh, you get people migrating from different provinces to this province where the mining industry is. That's where I'm in Rastavik. They work there and they send money back home to the province or whatever. They're all different cultures different languages, and then they made fun of the law. So that's what they speak on the ground. You see your wife on the weekends? Yes, only on weekends. And so when you're out there mining and then live, and then all the day you do a little work and you're saying you're spending a lot of time alone and you don't speak the language, and then when you go back to wherever you're staying there, are you also alone? Yes. I've got good friends. So we play online games, and at night we would sit on Discord and, and chat to one another and play games, and then we'll talk about the day about life and we have discussions about suicide and so we had a discussion the other day like if you're allowed to pick and do whatever you want to you can buy what you want you can sell what you want you can do anything you want it's your choice mm-hmm. why are you not allowed to kill yourself what do they say they're more angry people we, we are quite savages dark humor so i can't go into detail i'm a believer in pro-choice like i i believe if you've got the choice if it's your choice and you you want to kill yourself why are you not allowed to do it? That's what I see. Why are you, how or why are you not allowed to do it? You're allowed to do it. Well, if you look at the religion, you know, to kill yourself if you're part of the religion. Right. Exactly. So, okay, I'm not part of religion, but just general society, it's taboo. It's not, it's not allowed to kill yourself. In some cultures, they do punish families. Mm-hmm. I remember I, I, in Japan, and I don't know if this is still the case. If so, for example, a common way to kill yourself in Japan for some time was to throw yourself in front of a subway train or train. And they would actually, and I don't know how this is in other cultures, they would send a bill to the family. That's quite interesting. Yeah. yeah. So so there is a sort of punishment. I don't know what it's like in South Africa. No, at least there's no punishment. But in, like I said, in the cultural, it is not 
it's frowned upon. Right. So yeah. you don't talk about it. It's it's like when the back in the eighties we were not allowed to talk about sex back then. Okay, it wasn't allowed back then. But I remember my parents telling me they were not allowed to talk about sex. So it's the same thing now. We're not allowed to talk about suicide. It's it's not allowed. It's it's not something yeah. to talk about. Right. Again, I don't know. Some things become not taboo, but suicide might not be one of those. It might always be somewhat taboo. It's such an extreme thing. They're staring us in the face every day. People kill themselves daily. Oh, my we God. We need to address the problem. Many people kill themselves. Many, many people try. Many. I, I'm not going to do the math, but just in the last hour of us talking, for sure, yes. some, there are people who kill themselves. Exactly. And we should talk about more awareness, suicide awareness. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to speak to you is like, yeah. we need to create awareness, especially in the whole world, not in just one country. It's like it's supposed to be everywhere. Not everybody, but people suffer from it everywhere, every country. Yeah, it's part of the human condition. It has to be. And I, and I, and I don't know much about historically. I'm really curious to know what it was like a thousand years ago or 10,000 years ago. You know, there's not a lot of data on that, but I'm curious about it. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I just, you wonder back way back pre-civilization hunter gatherer. You think they were killing themselves once in a while? Or was it a little more of a reflection of more modern life? I don't think it was a reflection of modern life. Remember they were hunter gatherers. You never know. People have feelings. I believe back then, maybe they didn't have the biggest understanding about mental health or anything, but I believe people would suffer from mental health. I'm sure they were self-harming in some ways. Yes. Other people, they cut themselves for self-harm. My self-harm, I hate myself. That's how I, I, I just destroy myself. You said instead of cutting yourself, you hate yourself? Yes. Even as we're talking in the last hour? Yes. Every day. It's not a day that goes past. I don't think about suicide. When you say think about every day, is it the general idea of it or is it getting a little closer to what would it be like if I actually went out into the woods and took a rope, you know, a little more detailed? Detailed. So I, I would find myself in different situations and I'll plan a suicide in that particular moment to be able to execute in less than a few minutes. So I do a lot of research and uh, I find a lot of stuff interesting. But on your previous podcast, there was, you guys go like, um, you're scared of sharing information to give people ideas on how to do it. I'm like, we're living in the information age. Just, just so you know, I 100% agree. Anybody could find just about anything. The only time I ever edit something out around like method, like if you say I tried to kill myself by taking 50 pills, that's fine. But if you're saying like, I have the exact cocktail. So yes occasionally and really it's very occasional i'll cut that but i'll tell you almost everything makes the final cut i don't hold back so i mean you're right because you could go on google or another search engine or elsewhere and find anything i know you do a lot of research uh you probably did a lot of research and i know you uh, speak a lot about suicide prevention all that to be super clear i don't talk about suicide prevention this might sound a little weird or even corny but I think of it more as like suffering prevention, because by talking about it, maybe we, we relieve suffering. I'm not trying to label you, sorry. Um, <laughs> okay. If you want to label me, just call me bald and then you're good. But I have so, no problem uh, with people being out there doing the suicide prevention work. It's just, you know, I know I'm kind of staying in my lane. You know what I mean? Yes, I understand. Yeah. Have you thought about any myths that you wanted to talk about? It's the coward's way out. It's not the coward's way out. 
suicide is not a coward's way out. You really have balls to kill yourself. You really need balls to kill yourself. It's not easy. And to suffer from depression is hard and it lays on you. And so it's not a coward's way out. And that's what I say. I agree. Yeah. I wonder why people think that it is that way. They think that. Or at least some people say that. And it's surprising to me. Society is a weird place, my friend. Well, that, that we can all agree on probably, yes. Um, is your wife still there? I want to say thank you to her. Is she there? All right. Goodbye. <laughs> thank you for supporting Armand. I don't know. All right, my friend. Be well. And thanks again for talking. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening and all of your support. Special thanks to Armand out or down in South Africa. Thank you, Armand. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Our email is hello at suicidenoted.com. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. And you'll also find a couple of links in the show notes. One is to send us an audio recorded message. It's another way to reach out. And a couple links to help us out financially if you have the interest and means. We could uh, we could use the help. Regardless of any of that, however you support or participate or engage, we appreciate it. And that is all for episode number 125. Stay strong. Do the best you can. I'll talk to you soon.